I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. Today, you are in for a real treat. My guest, Tara Pilling, is someone I met through Facebook. I saw that we had almost 300 mutual friends. When that happens, I assume we must be like-minded and in the same tribe for many reasons, but reasons that make me want to discover and dig deeper because it interests me to meet people who have so many similar interests. I believe it's so important to surround yourself with people with the same or similar beliefs, because in this case, after meeting Tara, she made me want to go higher in my life and learn and grow even more. In other words, she really inspired me. After meeting Tara, it was no surprise how our beliefs mirrored each other and her knowledge and education she has had was so interesting. I knew she had to be on my podcast so I could share her magic with my listeners. When I meet someone like Tara, who has done the work and studied under people like Tony Robbins, Bob Proctor, Wayne Dyer, Marianne Williamson, Louise Hay, Dr. Joe Dispenza, I could keep going, but that is just to name a few. It is like meeting someone and knowing I need to have in my life because of all of those amazing souls who are actually mentors of mine as well and people who I have studied throughout my life. Tara also has so many credentials under her name, such as a certified consultant with Proctor and Gallagher, an Ayurveda lifestyle coach, yoga teacher, certified body talk practitioner, which I find so fascinating and cannot wait for her to explain to us what that is. She's certified in both emotional freedom and emotional stress technique. There are a few more, but I will wait to get into our interview for her to explain all of these and the magic in each one and why she was interested in these specific credentials. In this interview, I want to uncover Tara's journey through her training with Tony Robbins and his foundation, and now a Proctor and Gallagher consultant. I know her journey will amaze you, and without further ado, let's get this started, Tara. Welcome, and thank you for being here. I am truly looking forward to hearing your wisdom and sharing it with my listeners who will be in awe of who you are, just like I am. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so grateful to be here with you. <laughs> Thank you. And I love, you should see the view I'm looking at. I wish my yeah. listeners could see the view. She lives <laughs> up in Canada and she's right on the water and there's boats and docks behind her. It's beautiful. Beautiful summer, July day. Well, let's yeah, get started, Tara. I want to start with, I know you have an interesting childhood. And I think when I think of having this podcast of uncovering magic and where you are now, I think it's interesting for people to see where you came from and really what steered you in this direction of all this growth and personal development. So do you want to start with kind of how you were raised and your childhood? Yeah. So, I mean, everyone has, everyone has a story, right? And so 
you know, for me, growing up was not very, it wasn't very good. There was a lot of dysfunctional patterns. Both my parents struggled with addiction, alcoholism. There's a lot of abusive patterns within our family. And yeah, I, at a very young age, just became, you know, a caregiver in a sense for my siblings and my parents. And, you know, from the time that I was really little, I have, you know, a few what I call ignite moments. And one of those was when my parents literally were beating the crap out of each other. And I was only about five, but I ended up ending up in the hospital because I was so upset and I had underlining heart condition. So my mom took that seriously and they took me to the hospital. And I remember that moment being in the hospital and seeing the nurses take care of these people that were not, you know, were not well. And I just remember the feeling of feeling safe for the first time in the hospital Mm -hmm. and just being like, I want to take care of people. I want people to feel safe like this. And so I knew from the time that I was really young that my purpose was to serve and to help others feel safe. So that's like a really clear memory that I have as a young child, even amongst all the chaos and the fighting that I wanted to help people. And then later on, of course, as Mahatma Gandhi says, is, you know, be the change you wish to see. As I discovered, instead of, you know, it being people outside of me, the real work was to do my deep inner work. And that's how I helped other people. You know, as a mother, and I know you're a mother as well, but to think of you causing your child to have this, take them to the hospital because of a fight with your husband would just break my heart. You know, it's just, I can't imagine. Yeah, I think like, you know, I've spent a lot of my life diving into education and support around addiction. You know, my parents, of course, like all of our parents were doing the best that they could, but they were coping. You know, there's a lot of underlying mental health issues that, you know, I wasn't aware of. I I know my mom wasn't aware of at the time. There was a lot of programming that was, I'm sure, passed down generation after generation and alcohol just became that way to cope. And I'm not saying it's okay because of course the behavior is never okay. And now looking back, I feel really blessed in some ways because it's helped me become the person I am and that I can change that programming. That's the most empowering thing is that I can show up in a much, much better way for my children. And I think that, you know, even I remember the moment that I decided that I was having children, I was like, now it's time to get really down to work. If I don't deal with this programming, it's going to show up somehow. And, and my work is to deal with that. So I'm not passing that down on to my children. So it's, did, and it's a continuous process. Right. But how, when did you start to go there? Like you were five in the hospital realizing that was a safe place. And now how long did that take you to get to I, that? I think I was always interested. I really, you know, I love taking care of people. I was a natural nurturer, probably because I was the oldest in my family. It was the way, you know, Tony talks about the six basic human needs. And so it was probably how I received love and significance, I'm sure, was that I could take mm-hmm. care of my family. So it felt good. And at first, like most people that get into caregiving, you know, I was doing it for the wrong reason. I just didn't know that because as a young child, I was also in survival mode. I probably lived half the time in fight or flight. But later on, I just got more interested. I was always interested in spirituality. I was always interested in health and healing, of course, because there was so much mental health and addiction problems around me. I didn't know, but when I was going to university, my mom 
when I went back to visit my mom in Saskatchewan, she had confided in me that she had been struggling with agoraphobia. So she had struggled with agoraphobia since we were little kids. And which made sense why as young kids, we were often just left in the mall and she would just disappear. And someone, the security guard, in my recollection, would find her outside of the mall. And we were really little. Like my first memory of that was maybe I was about seven or eight. And I remember being like, where's mom? And so that's when I was going to university. Like my mom started working on herself. And I always say the best parts of me were my mom, because although there was a lot of dysfunctional patterns, my mom was one of those people that, you know, would call herself out on it and tell us, you know, how sorry she was. But I think that she just didn't have the tools. She grew up in also a very dysfunctional upbringing. And that's what programming is. is It's just passed down genetically and environmentally. And so I did my first university paper on agoraphobia and mental illness. And, you know, then years later from that point, actually, you know, unfortunately I was done. I had gone to school for physical therapy and occupational therapy and I was working at the hospital and uh, I received news the night before New Year's Eve that my mom had died in a house fire. Now, yeah, that was like a tipping point for me. And it's just kind of like, how can it get any worse, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, that was a horrible time in my life. I would have said that even growing up, but that that was kind of like the worst thing that had ever happened. And at that point... You know, my siblings were younger. You know, my youngest brother was 16. You know, we're, they're younger teenagers. Uh, I think it was like 16, 17 and 18, something like around that. And it was such a, my mom was a single parent because my mom had left my dad when I was five. So she had raised us completely on her own and unfortunately kind of attracted the same men into her life over those years. But, uh, I had to go back and get custody of my siblings because my dad wondered what I was going to do. I remember just thinking, you're asking huh. me what I'm going to do and you're the dad here. Right. So, so your relationship with your dad wasn't even there? No, my dad was always like, I think that that's what, you know, part of my journey has been is to really just love people unconditionally and just meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. And my dad has passed as well due to addiction, unfortunately. And again, I'm grateful for all the experiences, although they weren't always good. He was also just operating out of a program and doing the best that he could. He never, he was more like a friend that just never grew up than he was a parent. And if anything, I think I parented my father. I think it was just a natural thing and part part of my birth order being the oldest and, Mm -hmm. you know, not wanting my... I'm the oldest of three girls too. And I feel the same way. And I see so similarities within my childhood with yours, not... I mean, my mom didn't die in a house fire, but I mean, the the addiction, you know, trying to take care of my siblings, trying to figure out, you know, how do I, that's always about trying to figure out, like just being stable, you know, trying to figure out how to make this house a stable home and never having that feeling. And then you just wonder as you get older, all those beliefs that you've, you know, programmed your brain and, you know, how to take them out and live in a different way. And especially as a parent, right, to not have, to really be careful and be present and acknowledge all of the programs that you don't want to put into your children, you know? And I think that's amazing that you figured that out because not many people do. 
Well, and I think, though, that it's it's kind of like, you know, they say that even right now that a majority of people on this planet are living in fight or flight. And that's not a great space to live in. But as children of alcoholics or, you know, addiction of whatever sort or abuse, if you do, you naturally go to fight or flight. It's like survival. But we're only meant to be in that space in our brain, which is the limbic, when we're being chased by a bear, right? right? So that's how we, like, survive. And I think that, like, looking back, because now, like, raising my own kids and seeing, you know, you kind of, I thought it was normal. I mean, it's obviously not normal. And I resisted what I thought was not right. But looking back, I think I was just in fight or flight. I think I was just trying to survive. And it was very much a survival mode that I actually got stuck in. And I've studied, of course, the brain and the mind and programming. And I think that, you know, this is where for me, there was a lot of grasping around helping people because I was so injured and hurting inside that I was like wearing my heart on my sleeve. You know, anyone that was suffering or struggling, I just wanted to help make them feel better. And why would I do that? Because, you know, it's like environment is but a looking glass. You know, what we see outside of us, especially when it triggers us or there's an emotional impact, it's because it was mirroring my own pain, my own hurt. Right. And so... You know, you know, when I got into, you know, this work, I mean, just serving other people, again, I think that I got into it for the wrong reason. And then unfortunately, what happens to a lot of healers is they get sick. And I got Why? sick. Because if we're not doing our inner work, and I always say like in Buddhism, like I have a lot of training in Buddhism and Vipassana is we're out there. It's like the grasping. It's like I feel crappy here, but, you know, it's easier to look at you and help you than it is to help me. Got it. And so when you look at caregivers, and I noticed this even in physical therapy, working with people that were injured, is that I was working at the hospital and like 80% of the clients I was working with were nurses with all like, you know, bad backs. Right. And they're the ones that are the caregivers. Because they're the caregivers and they're the ones that were overweight and emotionally not well and physically and their health. And so it's interesting. And I noticed this because I started already before my mom had died, I started taking touch for health and emotional stress release. And I did it to feel better myself initially Hmm. and to learn. And there was obviously my ego involved in the grasping, right? That emotional impact of my mom dying was like, I couldn't deny that there was pain inside me. It was like, I just called the tipping point. And that tipping point, there was a moment where it was like, I am just going to die if I don't do something and do my work or I can thrive. And I knew that. And I also got sick. I got really sick. You know, within a few months, I got cancer. I mean, we don't like that C word. I don't even like talking about it because I'm not going there anymore. And I've dropped that story. And that's my suggestion for anyone listening to this. I'm all about that. Drop the story. Right. Whatever you're focusing on, whatever you're putting your energy into, you're creating more of. And that that was something like I didn't know, but I also didn't have the tools. So when I did you start to, getting into like Louise Hay? That reminds me of that. You, did you, you start know, doing it? I just I think it became very organic. It was like one teacher led to the next, especially when I got into vibrational health and healing. And when I got really sick and I started looking at like more of a holistic approach to healing, because I knew you know, I was working at the hospital and I remember some of my colleagues saying, you know, maybe you need an antidepressant or sleeping pill. And I remember thinking, oh, God forbid, like my mom lived off those things that did not work for her. Right. I knew that I had to take a more holistic approach. And I also was super aware of addiction in my family because my mom 
when she started getting healthy and more aware of herself, she actually got into AA. Hmm. And so we went to NA and learned a lot about AA. So I knew that, you know, possibly I could get addicted to these things really easy. So I I have a question. I'm sorry to interrupt you because I have a mom that would never go to AA and never would face herself, would never look in the mirror. And she's 77 and I love her so much. But explain to me how your mom turned and really realized I have to do this because that's amazing. Yeah, I think again, you know, even Tony says that and we say that, of course, with the work that that I teach and mentor with Bob is there's only like really two ways we change. It's through space repetition with mentorship, right? It's like getting knowledge, getting study. It's emotional impact. Unfortunately, emotional impact is it's like 9-11. I mean, we don't want to change with emotional impact, but I, I think that that's what happened to my mom. I think that she just had attracted so much crap in her life, you know, more abusive men that also had hurt us. And, you know, she loved us kids more than anything. And she was just coping. And so, you know, I don't know, there was something within her and she just made that decision. I think that's what was so heartbreaking, Ashley, is that my mom had been clean as far as drinking. My mom hadn't drank for many years. I'm not exactly sure on the number. For some reason, I think it was nine or 13 years, which is a big deal. She... I don't know. It's just like she just decided to drink and she died in her fire because she didn't wake up because she hadn't drank for so many years. The, you know, that the little bit that she did drink, the fire department chief, like he said that that little bit, she just was not right in her mind. So she couldn't, she she was so disorientated. Right. So that's what was so, I think, heartbreaking was like, you know, I seen her work so hard to get her life on track and, you know, address and look at, let's say, those those demons, you know, um, those things that she didn't want to look at, which she was spending a lot of time. And then, of course, she had another emotional impact and went back, right? That self-sabotage. Right. And so, you know, that was, I think, for me, that's what was so, it made me angry, but it was also so heartbreaking, you know, after Ugh. all that work. And it just shows you, right? If you're not, I am so aware, like if I'm not doing my work, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's an everyday process. And, and right. it, it does get easier if you do it. But if I'm not doing my work, it's just that one slip up. Everything right. can be taken. Just mm-hmm. goodbye. Right. right. It's so important to stay in that alignment. What do you do to stay in alignment when you say do your work? What does that mean? Well, for me, my work, you know, I always say mind in order, body in order. You know, the body's an instrument to the mind. So for me, it all starts and ends with the mind. And so it's like how I wake up, everything I do, you know, I get up really early. I actually studied with Robin Sharma for quite a while. So I'm a 5 a.m. gal for many years now. But it's like I get up like, you know, when the sun is rising or before, depending on the season. And I'm like, you know, doing some of my Ayurvedic practices. I'm going into gratitudes and blessings. You know, I'm doing, I'm sitting, I'm just taking some time to just meditate. I'm getting out in nature. I'm exercising. You know, it's having like routine that help me focus on where I'm going and keep my mind in order. You know, it was Thomas Troward. A lot of the work that I teach and mentor is very, very old material. And Thomas Troward said that order is heaven's first law. So, you know, for me, it's just being, it's being mindful of, you know, my mind. And when I'm not feeling good, the great news is, is that I'm in control of my mind now because I'm like anybody else out there. I mean, if anything... I have a lot of mental health and addiction in my family. So, you know, I know it, depression or anxiety. And I've been very fortunate because I've spent all these years, like 23, 25 years, just studying self-development and healing. 
to really get a grip on my mind so that I'm in charge of my mind and not the other way around. Right. And to me, it's like a daily practice. It's like if you decide that you want to get in shape, you exercise. Let's say three times a week, you make sure you're at the gym. Well, if you quit, I mean, you're going to get out of right. shape. It's just right. what and happens. People, it has totally. to be a daily practice. Same. It really has to be, I believe. That's my, you know, how Tony Robbins says, get into your state, you know, and have get mm-hmm. get the flow and the alignment. Same thing. Get up in the morning. I get up early. Just like my routine is very similar to yours. But, you know, I so I go back to... So you're going through all this stuff with your mom. And when do you start? What is, do you go to a Tony Robbins event? When do you start like doing some, you know, get connected there? Well, I had been teaching yoga and offering energy and vibrational sessions for many years because, you know, and I was doing physio on the side. When my son was born, I started moving more into energy and vibrational medicine and yoga because it was easier to do with babies. And Mm -hmm. I actually quit when my son was born physical therapy because my husband and I made that decision. And I started moving more into that holistic practice. And, and of course, doing it for many years, I realized that many of the clients that were coming to me, they really needed almost coaching. Mm-hmm. So I could lay my hands on them and do healing. I mean, I'm an intuitive healer. I could feel things. But there was an internal nudge to get some training when it came to coaching and to be a really good coach. Now, I had learned at this time that it was all about getting incredible mentorship and working with incredible material. Thank God, because your first mentors are always your parents. So I knew that. I knew I got to get better coaching and material to work with. So I took Robin Sharman's Titan program. And that was amazing. I spent a year on that. Absolutely loved it. And I think that gave me the confidence to study with Tony. So mm-hmm. I just bought a VIP ticket. I thought, gosh, if I'm going to be with Tony, I'm going to be up front. Right. I'm going to be right in the front. And only the best. Only the, the best. The spit zone, right? <laughs> yeah. And my husband was like, okay, whatever you need to do. And I flew off and um, I went and did that first. It was Unleash the Power Within, actually. And it was amazing because I connected to a lot of Tony's Platinum members because I was doing energy work on the side. Didn't mean to because we're doing all this work together. Some of the Platinum members that had brought down a group of friends and family in one of their jets. This one particular fellow was like, what are you doing to the, to, you know, my aunts and some of his workers? And he's like, you got to study this material. You're amazing. Like, and so they took me out for dinner, which was really nice because I didn't know anybody there. And he just encouraged me and said, Hey, I'll help you make this happen. Like I, you got to do this. So long story short, I ended up studying with Tony for over two years and I did master university and I did leadership. And basically wherever Tony was, I was like flying around and studying and And then I completed wealth and life mastery in Fiji on Tony's private island. There's about a hundred of us there. So that was pretty awesome. Is that where you met Luke Wren? Did you meet Luke there? I forget. Yeah. Well, I had actually met Luke Unleash the Power Within. He was there. So that was the first time. But Luke was, he was very instrumental at that time in supporting Tony. Right. So you do that. You go to Fiji. You get fully submerged in Tony. You were part of the, weren't you part of the global youth? leadership? Yeah, that's where I wanted to move into was youth leadership. I heard this youth go up and talk about leadership. And I thought, oh my gosh, like, wow, this is amazing. Just being that I'm a mom with kids, I was really drawn to that, that area of Tony's work. I just love the, I mean, I'm sure I want to ask you how you raise your children, but will you send your kids when they get to that age? Because Paige is right at the age this year to go, but it got canceled, but I cannot wait to have her go next year. Yeah, there's two things that I really want my kids to do, especially when they graduate. I would say, you know, or even like before, 
But my son's actually already a client of mine with some of the mindset work that I do with Bob, which is really cool because he's only 13 and he came to me on his own. Huh. We don't ever force our will upon someone. He came to me. So that was cool. But I've always wanted my children to do a Vipassana. Mm-hmm. 10 days in silence can sure help create a lot of clarity. Right. I thought, especially before they go off to university or whatever they decide to do. And I thought to go and do, yes, the leadership course with Tony would be amazing as well. How do you, so our kids are similar in age. I have an 11 and a 14 year old and they're both girls. You have one of each, right? A girl and a boy. Yeah. So with my girls, you know, I really, it's so important. Just, I think as far as my programs as a child that were similar to yours, I just wanted to really, and I had them later in my life. So I had all that time, you know, up until I was 35 when I met Richard and then had Paige when I was 36, Presley when I was 40. But, um, you know, I had that time to grow and to really fulfill me and to do, I wouldn't have been the person, you know, right out of college to get married that it just wouldn't have worked for me. And I am so grateful that my path and it led me to this way. And I had my children later. I'm all about that for myself. But I, I did really the learned. exact same thing as you. I didn't yeah. have my first child. Till I was like 35. I was like, there's no way I'm having kids, actually. I yeah. Like, I got some work to do here first. But I really feel like that sets me to this place of, I'm going to do this right. And I, every day, that's like number one to me is to like, what can I do today to make these girls aware and, you know, program, I'm programming them, right? We're, we're their first programmers. So to me, like, I want to, I want you to go on that. What do you do with your kids? And does your husband participate? How do you do that as a family? Yeah. So again, the programming does run deep. I mean, how often do we catch ourselves saying, I'm never going to be like my mother or father. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I just did something that's like my mother or father. So, you know, I am super, just like you, Ashley, I'm super committed to like how I'm showing up. I would say my big why, you know, I was talking about your why is my kids. Mm -hmm. And I really feel as far as parents, it's like, there should, it's like a personal responsibility to show up and do your work. So, you know, my husband and I were having some difficulties and actually I wasn't sure if I wanted to be married anymore. And by the way, there was no healthy programming when it came to relationships. And my husband is an incredible guy. He's a really great guy. And I don't think at that point, you know, looking back, anything that he could have done, because again, I was looking outside of me and not seeing that he was just triggering something inside of me. So if you understand the way the mind works, I needed my husband to do that. But when I started studying with Bob, so that's how I moved from Tony you know, one of my practices every morning is make me a conduit of your good work. You know, I would say, tell me what to do. Tell me what to say and to whom. And that's, of course, the miracles prayer. And, and I'd just been home from, you know, Tony's Island. I think it was maybe a week or two. And then, you know, I get this call from Bob to work with Bob. And my reaction instantly was like, I don't need more training. I don't need another mentor. But I'd been asking. And I knew enough about the laws and I knew enough about asking, you know, that I had invited that. And there was still areas of my life where I wasn't getting the results I wanted. And most importantly was in my personal life. I mean, how do we show up in our professional life if we're not personally fulfilled and and showing up the way we need to? And so I made a decision. I totally kept my husband out of it at first. I didn't even tell him because I was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. uh, he's just going to be, he's only going to reinforce how messed up I am. Like that was kind of my thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm so messed up. I got to do more training. Oh, so <laughs> I did and I did it. And within like six months, and my husband by that time knew I was working and teaching with Bob, but Bob said, you have to become a product of a product. 
And you really have to understand the mindset, which was something I didn't understand at that point, not to the degree that I do now. And I changed so much that my husband was like, I want to be a client of yours. And I nearly, like to me, that is my magic. And so many incredible stories that clients share with me. But just the fact that my husband um, just saw that I was getting better results and respected me enough and was like really inspired by me Mm -hmm. to start doing this work. So I even offered for him to study with someone else. And he said, no, I want to study with you. Can I, can you give me like an example of this was the Tara before and now I'm doing this and my husband noticed this? Yeah, I think probably part of my programming again, that was still coming out even after all that work with Tony was too much focus on the people outside of me, like too much focus, even on my husband, too much focus on him not taking care of himself or his weight or his health. You know, those things, it's part of the spleen worry that I've always had, or at least was definitely apparent at that time. And I think because when I started working with Bob, it was really to draw inside. And there was just so much focus on that and really the mindset and understanding the subconscious mind. And I was just so deep in my own stuff that I wasn't paying attention. Hmm. And so, you know, my husband just saw me changing. And not only that, my husband has always had really good programming around business, finances. And he said, even as a healer, he was like, you give more than you get and you cost more than you make. So he didn't really respect me as a business person. I mean, we're all selling something. Tony is the one who always says that, right? And so when I started working with Bob and working with paradigms, which is just that subconscious mental programming, I realized that a lot of that was around my self-image, you know, and it was that old hurt. It was the old story still that was just lingering and it was still there. And so when I started to shift that and my husband started seeing, because results always tell you the truth. So when my husband started seeing all these changes, he was like, I don't know what you're doing, but I want to learn how to do this with you. And my husband, I actually made him pay the most of any client because Bob said he'd have to see value. Uh And he became one of my best clients and really a leader for a lot of my other clients. He was an unconscious competent already. So he created a lot of success. But with this material that I teach him at Bob during economic crisis, which we've already been in before COVID or anything else, we've been here, especially in Canada for a couple of years. We actually, my husband had doubled his business in that time. And he, so it was, it's just been magic. Actually, it's been amazing. But you are actually being his mentor directly or is it a group? Well, it's when anyone that I work with, you know, they're basically, they're working with me and Bob. Now I am the coach, you know, I have Bob. That's the thing. Like if you look at any really successful person, they're going to have a mentor. And so Bob does show up for our clients as well, but there's only one of Bob, just like there's only one of Tony. So, you know, they're getting me and I'm leading them through the material that Bob has taught me. And I show up with Bob a couple times a week. I mean, I was on a mastermind this morning at 6 a.m. Pacific time, right? So that's what's great is that when I don't have the answers or I'm having, you know, a unique situation with the client is I do have Bob and I do have Bob. Like there's nobody like this guy, you know, he's 87. So I just, I'm constantly inspired how he shows up. It's amazing. But it just, I think it is, it's shocking to me. Not, I don't know if that's too strong of a word that your husband, I don't know if Richard would really let me mentor him. <laughs> you know, that's like a really, that's, you know, you're, no ego there, right? He was really listening and he saw so much of you change and he loved it and he wanted to do the same, like wanted to be on the same team. 
Yeah, you know, I was really apprehensive. And because I had heard Tony before say, you don't coach your husband, I remember a conversation around that with Tony Robbins. And so I was very leery. I didn't even want to go there. But when I talked to Bob about it, Bob said, no, it's a wonder. How awesome that you can do this work. We didn't say how awesome, but he said, how wonderful that you could do this work with your husband. I mean, even the 14 principles Napoleon Hill says, you know, Napoleon Hill wrote, think and grow rich when, you know, it's always referred to as man. But if you bring the woman in there too, but he said, you know, behind every great man is a really great woman could go either way. Now we know that and it's both, right? Right. So it's been actually incredible. There's been times where it's tough because, you know, we just create that division between, well, I'm your wife. And then when I do a coaching call or he signs up and does like a discovery session, because I just did a whole bunch with my clients to find out where they are and how I can serve them. We just totally go into a different mode. Like I'm now the coach and he knows how hard I work with Bob. So he knows I've done my work. And that, like, that's what I mean. That's the real magic to have even my husband show up and respect me in that capacity because he works in a completely different field. You know, he works in heavy equipment and thing in forestry, things that I don't know. And I have to be coachable. So if, if, uh, and I've actually had to go up and help him before. I don't know anything about that. So I have to listen and do everything that he says because he knows what he's talking about. Right. Being coachable uh-huh. is key. And that's one of my affirmations is I'm just super coachable. Mm-hmm. So oh, I love that. And I, I think when you think of a, how you grew up and you didn't have a relationship with your dad and it was a completely different, I would have thought, you know, you found somebody in this, like a guy that is coachable, right? That, oh, he's super that grew with yeah. you and grew and, you know, how did you find him? Like where, you know, I'm so grateful because there's so many moments where I could have lost my relationship out of my ego, just getting in the way and old hurt. And I think that's why a lot of marriages and my other mentor, is, you know, is a Holocaust survivor and he's also 87. And I'd worked a little bit with Diedrich too, from the choose again. And I remember him saying one, you only leave if you leave out of love. And how often do we leave out of love? We don't leave out of love. We leave hurt. We leave angry. And what he meant was you only leave if you love that other person enough that you know it's just time. And so that doesn't happen too often. Like if we do our work and we really recognize that we are only a vibrational match for everything that we attract, because that's where the work goes deeper with Bob is we're working with universal laws and most people don't understand them. Most people don't understand their mind and why they do the things they do and the subconscious to the degree that we go in is that everything is a vibrational match. So whatever we attract, we attract that because there's something inside of us that's being reflected in that person. So the real work is to take a look at the programming, is to look at what are the beliefs, you know, what are the habits, what are the behaviors and the conditioning and the addictions and the self-image. And when we get a chance, because that's all that other person is doing is giving us that opportunity for my relationship, my like it just, the more I got better, the more my husband got better. Huh. But, but did he get better or was he already great? Exactly. And I just got better. Or was right. it a bit of both, right? So right. I don't know. I think huh. it's a bit of everything. Yes, totally. Okay, let's go into some of your credentials. And the one that I wanted to talk about was that body talk, because that is fascinating to me. Can you kind of elaborate on that? Yeah, so I've been studying and practicing body talk for many, many years. I first of all got my specialized kinesiology degree, which was quite complicated, like, you know, Chinese medicine and having to know, oh, so many things that, you know, you really could never memorize. So you'd always have your 
your book. So body talk seemed way too simple for me. And I resisted it at first. And then I had a really cool experience with body talk. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Basically, the body is always talking to us. So when the body manifests, it could even just be a rash, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm trained in Ayurveda and, and many other modalities. Well, a rash is hot. And you think of like the consciousness of like your skin and its protection and what's getting under your skin and Heat is usually frustration and anger and, you know, or it could be overwhelm and stress. So I dove deep into body talk, which was very simple. I could take a lot of my other practices and it's really just about, you know, the practitioner is working with the client and the body of the client that you're working with is telling me a story. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, it's kind of like a detective, right? So maybe they've come to me because they've got they're having difficulty breathing or they've had a lung condition and maybe they're just not feeling very good. And that's why they come. And then you start doing the session and we just use what's called the muscular biofeedback to get yes and no's. So it's a muscle test. Mm-hmm. You've heard of muscle testing. Yes. And then the body. So instead of like in kinesiology, you have to like, hey, here's the heart muscle test and here's latissima dorsi. Like in body talk, you don't have to do that. You're just doing a muscle test. It's so much more simple and it's really effective. So, you know, with that particular person, the story might take me back to when they were five and there was some emotional impact and that stuck in their lung. The lungs, according to Chinese medicine, are the grieving lungs. So there's going to be a whole story. And then what we do in body talk is we'll, we just, even the fact that the body has this opportunity to express and share what's going on, that's constantly being pushed down. Again, how do we cope? We cope through addiction, we cope through eating, we cope through shopping, gossiping, all this stuff, but we're not looking and listening and paying attention. And the only time we pay attention to the body, unfortunately, is when, you know, you go to the doctor and they say, you got stage four cancer. And that, unfortunately, that's when some people do come to me, which is horrible, because by that time, the body's been talking for years to that person and trying to get them to pay attention. Again, it could have started off as a rash or a digestion thing or something. And we all have something But that's what the great thing is, is the body is the instrument to the mind. We're programmed to just, you know, change our diet and exercise. All those things are great, but we got to go to where the problem was created. It's always first created in our programming, how we're taught to think and our feelings. You know, feelings are always the secret. If you're feeling good, you're going in the right direction. Right. And you study. Good. Yes. But you study that, um, you know, Dr. Joe Dispenza and the rewiring your brain. And you know, I really, I really, really, really believe in his work. How yeah. do you, like when you're doing the body talk, do you have a story like of someone coming to you and how it's transformed them? Yeah, there's so many stories. I think that, um, you know, I'll share a story uh, around a little boy, actually a mom being that we're both moms. And the cool thing with body talk is I have so much training. So when I'm doing a session with someone, the cool thing is that when I'm creating this space, it's like that person's body knows that I've got emotional stress release or knows that I got Ayurvedic training or knows I got yoga huh. training or self-development. So it'll ask for what it needs. It's not going to ask me to do brain surgery because I'm not a brain surgeon, right? So it's, it's quite cool that way. I had this little boy um, once, the mother, her intuition kept saying, there's something wrong with my son. He was really little. I think he was maybe about maybe six or seven. And I'd known her through a friend. And so the friend reaches out and says, you know, this little boy has been getting sick for like a year. Every so often, he'll, he just throws up and she's taken him to the doctor many times. And they, they said, oh, maybe it's an allergy or something. But the mom's intuition kept telling her there has to be more. And so they would 
you know, many trips to the doctor. And then, you know, the mom just started thinking it was in her head, you know, so, but it kept happening. And so another, this friend who had come to me for body talk had said, oh, you should call my friend Tara. She does body talk and she'd probably see you. So they came over. The mother was very upset. It was another episode of this puking. I was about to fly off. I think we were going to the Cayman Islands. I was taking my kids to the Caymans. And I said, oh, bring them over really quick. I'll put them on my table and we'll do some work. And first of all, the fact that the mama's intuition, although they've been dealing with this for a year and doing all these allergy and elimination things, the mama's intuition, I listened. Of course, I'm, hmm. I learned to listen. I knew that there was something because she wasn't feeling right about it, but I muscle tested. And of course, yeah. So I went into the session and the session actually told me that this little guy needed to go to the hospital. And that was really hard because I knew the mother was already quite nervous and upset and felt like the hospital wasn't helping her. So I had asked the body what to do. And of course, because I was flying out. So the session might have already known that I could only do so much too. And I'm flying out like literally within two hours. So I said, I want you to take your son to the hospital. I want you to request blood work. No matter what, just say, I want blood work done on my son. And so she, I, I, I want her to feel really safe. I said, I just want you to get this blood work done, you know, and then you can bring him back to me. It's bringing up, he needs a little bit of lab work done. As I'm driving to the, the airport, because my husband was driving me, I'll never forget, because it's only a few hours later, they went to the hospital and they're being airbagged to children's because oh at God. first they thought it was a tumor in his brain. It had been there for a while. It wasn't a tumor. It was a blood clot we found out later on. But if we, if she wouldn't have seen everything, if you listen, right. And that's again, totally. that reminder of mama's intuition, mm-hmm. you know, she just intuitively knew, brought him to me. I intuitively was like, just bring him. I knew something and I had to do something. And that saved that little boy's life. Wow. I mean, oh. and, and I worked with that little boy on and off for about a year. He had to undergo three major brain surgeries. Because it was inside. At first, they thought it was a tumor, and then it was a blood clotting thing that was, or some some sort of a condition. But he's now playing hockey and thriving, and he's, I think, the same age as my son. I think he's thirteen. Wow! That's just again, like how awesome is that? And that was just a session of him coming over, and I actually didn't do any real healing. It was to just remind the mother that her intuitive was correct and she needed to act on it and ask for, you know, kind of be her own. um, Like you have to be like your own, you have to represent yourself. Even when you have to say, no, I want this to be done. Like this has to be done. Right. How awesome is that? Amazing. Gosh. I have so many stories, but that's just one of my earlier ones that came up. Do you do that with the kids? Like when they get sick, how do you handle that? Yeah. So my husband actually just brought my table home. We had it in storage. And I said, I need my table at the house because I find that, you know, the body's an instrument to the mind. So it's always going back to the mind. But every so often, it's kind of like, you know, how we all have to go and have a massage or get right. your nails done. Or, you know, my family just loves for me to do energy work on them. And I do a lot of the distance healing work still. So, you know, oftentimes I'm just doing it on the couch or when I'm sitting beside. But there's something about creating that sacred space for me. And just mm-hmm. the situation we're in right now. So we had put a few things in the storage, but I do. They all come to me when there's something they want oh. me to do some hands-on healing. And so, yeah, I still do. What do you do as far as like when they get sick? Do you 
and your belief? I, I would say that for me, it's less hands-on now and more because I've developed my intuition. My intuition is so strong. Like when something happens, like I just feel it. I just know, oh, that's lung energy. You know, this is what I got to treat it with. I'm someone who goes a lot to plant medicine, like homeopathics. Even when I look at the conscious, everything has a consciousness. So again, if it, I don't know, I'm just trying to think of something my, well, flus and colds, flus and colds. And there's a lot of, of course, around the virus. Well, flus and colds, the virus, it's always like mental chaos and confusion. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of tune in. I'm more of like into, like I'm more an intuitional healer. So I just feel it. And then when I start thinking about the child and then just spending some time in and letting them share, Oftentimes, maybe they're feeling disconnected or not listened to, or they feel overwhelmed by a situation or something. And so I know how to treat whatever is showing up once I have that conversation with them and by listening to, again, my intuitive sense. So they all like to go up on the table, but I don't have to do that so much. Like, Hmm. I think that was how I first had to as a healer when I first started was really to tune in and get someone on the table and follow protocol because a lot of practices I'm trained in, there's a protocol. Now, boom, I can just get there really, really quickly, which is awesome. You know, I had this conversation with my 11-year-old this morning. I said, what if we went to an intuitive or a site, you know, someone that could read the future, right? In February, they said, in next month, we're going to be in a pandemic. You're going to be locked down in your home. You're going to be on lockdown, there's going to be people dying. There's going to be people getting sick. We're going to be wearing masks now at the store. You know, we went to the dentist today. We're, you know, wearing masks and we have to get our temperature taken and all these things. Would you believe her? And so it was just kind of an interesting thing because I thought, you know, I don't think I would because that just seems like there's no way in a month from now that's going to be our life. But it is. But before we go, because I know we only have a couple more minutes, will you explain how would you describe that? What would you say we're in this pandemic right now and this is what I believe and why this is happening on this planet? Well, if you understand the mind and that there really only is one mind, this is just a mass you know, reflection. It's a reflection of the mass consciousness right now. And what if everything is perfect? You know, we've been here many different times. We call them eposhes or eposhes when there's like this almost like a reboot and a lot of people do die at those times we know that when you look back over history but what if everything is perfect what if it's part of our evolution and what if we have an opportunity now now more than ever especially in our lifetime because we've never been through anything like this to really take a look at our lives you know how am i living am i living aligned with the values and the way that i want to show up in the world Am I making the impact I want to make? What's not working? What is working? I think that when we look at that from a personal and a professional perspective, that it is all perfect. And we have so many opportunities here. So I don't ever think or say anything is good or bad or right or wrong. But what if there's an opportunity? You know, I was listening to a wonderful sermon by Joel Olstein, And he was saying, you know, you're being rebooted. And I really loved it because I was like, we see right now that the mass consciousness, there is a lot of pain and suffering. And if we do not evolve and start using our minds the way that we're meant to, we won't survive. And so there's no better time than right now to get your insides right, right? To align, to create that order and to thrive. And we know through history that a lot of people do thrive at this time if they start thinking, but you got to start thinking. Most people aren't thinking. And if people knew what they were thinking, they'd be shocked. 
So there's an opportunity now to really start thinking. And I'm quite excited. You know, I think that these are exciting times. At the same time, I have a lot of empathy because I know a lot of people are suffering. My, you know, I just part of my personal commitment is just how can I continue to do my inner work so that I can show up as my best self. And so I can help support and serve humanity at this time and then moving forward. Right. So, And I love to look at it that way. And it is a reboot and we it's a reset or, you know, whatever we needed. And we all, it's all for a reason. And we're supposed to be doing this. And I believe that. And let's make ourselves better and give to the world and share our gifts like you do. And I think you are such a gift to this world and it's coming to that time. But I want my listeners to hear how they can get a hold of you or find you on your, is it your website that you, where they Sure, I actually need to, I'm not the most, I'm getting better at technology and I'm having my website redone uh, presently. I think the easiest way to get a hold of me probably be through my email, which is just tara at tarapilling.com. So it's T-A-R-A-P-I-L-L-I-N-G. So, and sorry, my real name is Tara. Lots of people call me Tara, but T-A-R-A at tarapilling, T-A-R-A-P-I-L-L-I-N-G.com. My website is just tarapilling.com. And on Facebook or any social media, it's Tara Pilling Consulting. So that's how we got connected. And I'm so grateful to also meet you, Ashley. You're just such a wonderful and just beautiful person. Oh, thank you. And I feel the same. And I, when we first talked, there's no coincidences. I don't know, you know, you get into this world in social media and someone sparks, you know, something and there was an energy about you that I felt. And here we are, right? And it's, you're being, you're a light on my show and I'm so grateful for this time. There's so many magic moments and I know there's more and we can do it again another time because I, I'm not even halfway through in my mind what I want to ask you, but you have so many gifts to share this world. And I think you're a true angel put on this earth to do what you're doing and you found what you're supposed to be doing and you're doing it. And I think knowing that you're in your purpose in this life, it has to be the most fulfilling feeling. And when I look at you and I see what you're doing and that you love it so much and that is in your heart and what you do every day, it's like it's in your being and I can just see it in your eyes. And when you talk to me, And I know that's why people are drawn to you and they feel you and you feel them. And it's such a win-win and I can feel your like beauty when I see you, but it's just been a pure, pure delight to be with you this last, what hour? And I've taken your time and I appreciate it so much. Oh, thank you. I'm just so happy and grateful to be here with you too and and, uh, get to know you as well. So thank you. And thank you for all that you do. Oh, you're welcome. Anyway, loved it. And we will talk again soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the uncover your magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic.